the first thing is kind of sound corny, but it's like, don't give up. In the beginning, for me at least, there was a lot of negativity. People want you to fail sometimes. They really don't want you to succeed. And especially when we talk about digitalization, people will become scared. Uh, what about my current job as an email marketer or as a traditional CRM person? Why do some companies succeed in driving growth while others fail? How do some individuals advance in their careers to lead teams that change industries? In the age of mobile, these are the stories of the companies shaping the way we interact with our world and the people who drive their growth. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy to have our next guest, Frank Hosebos, who's currently the head of digital marketing for Europe of Santander Consumer Finance. Before that, Frank was working with Banco Santander's finance Benelux team. I can't wait to learn more about your journey. Welcome to the show, Frank. Uh, it's so great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for this intro. And I'm very happy to be on the show and uh, to do this podcast together. So, you know, before I go into your experience and then and ask you about your job, I've got to ask, it's been a crazy time. Any recommendations on a good book or documentary I should add to my lockdown survival to-do list? Yeah, yeah, there are plenty. I mean, it, it has been a long, crazy time, especially here in Spain, being locked I know. in our houses for like two months. The book I'm, I'm reading now, actually, it's, it's called Loon Shots. It's from Safi Macau, and it talks about the challenges of IDs before they became major breakthroughs. So it talks about having an ID isn't if you're having a good idea, it's not really a recipe for success. You also need yeah. like champions to carry that idea forward. And that person that has the idea is not necessarily the right person to push it forward. It's a very interesting book. It talks about various ideas from the first radar invention to cholesterol pills. And I really like it so far. It really, really fits in the current business world. So it's definitely a recommendation on my part. That's awesome. I'll definitely check it out. That sounds really interesting. I think it's always, you know, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and this is idea that, you know, if you have a good idea, people sometimes don't want to tell others. And it's, it's not, I mean, the ideas are obviously important, but it's so much more. It's about the execution, right? And like getting it done. Yeah, exactly. So I love that. I think it's, it's probably a good one. I'll read it and I probably recommend it to some of the companies I advise. <laughs> so let's go into... You know, your job today, I think, you know, for those in Europe, they've probably all heard about Banco Santander, but for others in the States who have not, maybe not heard about it, can you give us a little bit of background on both the company and also uh, your job today there? Yeah. Well, so Banco Santander is one of the largest banks inside the Eurozone. And we are actually also operating in the US, which is a much smaller operation when you compare it to, to Chase Bank, Wells Fargo, obviously. Mainly, we're very big in, in the Latin America. So Banco Santander, its origin is in Spain. And now they, as you can see, they widened their region across Europe as well as Latin America. I think what is interesting to tell about Santander is that they have been heavily investing into digitalization of the bank in the last years, especially by our chairwoman, Anna Putin, putting a heavy focus on making the bank more digital and making it ready for the new age. Cool. As you can see, we're hiring a lot of engineers, new developers, uh, really different type of bankers than we than we used to before. And I think that's very interesting to see within Santander. Obviously, it's a, it's a legacy bank, but they are making a huge effort to make this transition. And then 
In my job particularly, I work for the Santander Consumer Finance Division, which is a separate division from the retail banking. So the retail banking has your normal banks and your current accounts, where we focus more on help customers to, uh, with loans or with credit cards. So it's, it's a little bit of a different animal and it's mainly focused in Europe. Got it. But you are, you know, if I was looking at your background and relatively speaking, you're, you're very new to this like banking finance space. Yeah. I saw that you previously worked in the media entertainment industry. How did you end up making the decision? How was the process like? Yeah, so I think one of the advantages when, when working for the digital media agency, like I did before, and it's also my first job, is that you're growing at an enormous uh, pace. You're really excelling rapidly, you're getting a lot of knowledge, and that's because you're getting also a lot of responsibility in a very short time span. It's a very high pressure environment. So for instance, I became a manager at 27. Uh, you got you already managed a team at that age, and, and it's very nice, but at one point the growth stagnates, right? It's, you reach the ceiling quite quickly. And because of that, you see a high rotation of people are coming and leaving. And uh, at one point you have, I wanted to look for a new adventure to, you know, put my, my knowledge into, into practice in a different industry, but also to learn more. Because at one point it's all about, once you get, once, once you know what to do in terms of your digital yeah. marketing or how, how it operates, there's not a lot of new things going on. So I was looking for a new adventure and, uh, in all fairness, and had turned to approach me to work for something there. It took me a while to, I was like, bank, I have to wear a suit. It's going to be boring. I had a very different perception of banking than I have now. But I, I did, still decided to, to go for the challenge because they, they really wanted to digitalize the bank in, in the Benelux, which for me was also quite a new challenge because I was mainly focused on marketing and not so much on the digitalization. So I decided to to grab the opportunity and then to work for a bank. That was the main drive for my decision. So you said that your perception changed a lot. Yeah. How has your perception changed? So is the bank not just suits? And uh, for I'm sure maybe maybe others who don't work in banking have similar perceptions. Maybe how is it? Yeah, definitely. Well, when I first came to Santa Benelux, it was all that I expected. A lot of politics, the general age of the people. That worked there was quite old as well and, and, and things were moving at a very slow pace but over time the bank started to change um, partly because of what we did with my team but also partly because of the mandate by uh, by the headquarters you saw a different kind of people coming in people starting to wear sneakers t-shirts were more common and it's all about the different people that were hired in order in this effort for this for this digitalization that really changed the culture within the bank Obviously, there is a lot of departments that are still operating under the, yeah, what we all expect from bankers' suits and ties and everything. But if now, if I look in headquarters in Madrid, you see a change as well. We see more uh, different kind of people being hired, engineers, etc., and they bring a different culture to the bank. So it's changing, but in the beginning, no, it, it was as everything as I expected. That's awesome. So you worked, I think, as you started with your bank, you did a lot of new things. You launched a new mobile home banking app, uh, digital onboarding journeys, new websites, CRO programs. Tell us a bit about these. How has it, you know, tell us about the experiences, some of the best stories around some of these launches. It was great. I mean, it had to do all of these, these things and being able to set up the team from the ground up was awesome because... So the first step we had to do was getting the team in place. In the beginning, it was just me. We hired the right people in order to, to really drive the change forward. 
And what I found was like within the bank, there wasn't the right mindset to really make this transition. And so we, we had to look external. And one of the things I really liked is that we went to universities, we give guest lectures, we give case studies, and then afterwards you speak to the students. Wow. And they're so engaged, they're so hands-on, they really want to learn. And I, we almost hired, well, he, we hired him in the end without any interview with that. He was, this guy, this person was so engaging and so, so how to express it, but so you can tell from his attitude that this is the guy that can drive change forward. We, we decided to hire them, two of them, and then they were ex- they were excellent. They really brought a different vibe to the team. And then the other departments within the bank started noticing our department growing, but also noticing that we are actually are able to push change in a very rapid pace. And this was not unheard of within the bank because normally you have to go to committees, you have to go to this department, yeah. you have to go to another department. And having the right type of people in place with the right mindset really allowed us to, to do that. But also it was very uncertain because we didn't have a lot of experience such as, for instance, with home banking app. For me, developing an app was completely new. I had no idea before entering the bank how to develop or lead a project, you know, especially not a home banking app. But then again, having the right mindset, learning everything, speaking to developers, speaking to other companies to get this knowledge. And then actually we launched the home banking app successfully within almost nine months. Wow. And it was a great success. So for me, that was all, again, coming down to, to the attitude of the people in the team. How do you measure that success when you think about, you know, I think other companies are thinking, should we launch an app? Should we redesign our app? Mm-hmm. Especially for, you know, for in finance, the app is really, you know, it's not necessarily the primary place. It's not necessarily how people like, it's a companion thing that's incredibly important. Yeah. Uh, how do you think about this? What is success for an app in your industry? If we then dive into consumer finance industry, having an app, it's a luxury you don't need to have because we actually have only two products, which is a loan and a credit card. But typically it's the customer has a loan and, and the customer is not going to log into the app every day to check the status about his or her loan. Right. So the challenge is how you measure success is how you can create engagement through the app. I think now in this, in this new era of digitalization, we are having to have a establish a relationship with the customer digitally where previously this would go via the branches or via the phone where you can have a much more personal conversation with the customer so how we measured the success was was the type of engagement so how many users are returning to the app on a weekly basis what are they doing we're trying to incorporate other services to make it more attractive to, to visit the app so for me it was really the engagement not so much the sales out of it it wasn't really to monetize on our yeah. customers that, yeah, yeah. that was not the goal it wasn't to monetize and that makes sense and to cross sell it was really to create this engagement digitally with the customer which is extremely hard to do so what were the, yeah, some of the other things that you added to the app to get people to engage you know you mentioned at the beginning that you only have two products and it's they're not necessarily the type of products that like people would go all the time so you must have added some interesting things in the app to get people to engage can you share yes. what some of those are? Yeah. So we, for instance, we wanted to make the customer more self-reliant to allow the customer to change his details or living address or payment details, everything within the app. I think that was a major breakthrough in, in terms of getting customers there. In terms of engagement, obviously, you, we talked about uh, we had a sponsorship with the UEFA Champions League. So we send out notifications by having contests that customers can win tickets to the UEFA wow. Champions League. That's cool. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, it was it was a great success. How creative! Yeah, I really like that. People were going for it uh, because, it, of course, I, I wanted to. Yeah, win the I will. Well, I, unfortunately, I didn't. Um, so that was one of the things, and and yeah, it was also this was more when the customer goes on holiday, we could do like geofencing, so we could say, look, uh, don't forget to enable your travel insurance or those kind of things. Obviously, that was also a big cool. part of the monetization, but still, you, you're driving customers to the app. And also, what we should do is that once you send out, normally we send out emails about new product features or uh, new setup. This can also be done within the app. And again, driving customers there rather than through their emails, such as in-app advertisements, but then in the form of a newsletter or informational uh, context. That's awesome. Those are uh, some really cool ones. You were mentioning how you, you know, you drove a lot of change locally and in Europe. Can you share, you know, I think you've, I've heard that you've tried to apply some of this at a more global scale. How did you do that? And how do you, you know, any advice for others in bigger organizations who are trying to drive change and digital transformation? Yeah. Well, the first thing is it's going to sound corny, but it's like, don't give up in the beginning. There's, for me at least, there was a lot of negativity. Yeah? People want you to fail sometimes. They really don't want you to succeed. And especially when we talk about digitalization, people will become scared. Uh, what about my current job as an email marketer or as a traditional CRM person? You need to be a very strong person in order to carry these ideas forward and never give up. That's part of the, the main part. And also not be scared to make mistakes. At one point, people were so scared because of the negativity that was focused around our team. Uh, and people wanted that, wanting us to fail. People in our team were scared to make mistakes. So what we did was, for instance, to create a super desert sounds was a, was a massive board within the whole division that everybody could see with, with our failures. Oh, I love so like, that. So okay, if you want to give us negativity, so here we go. So you can just see what we did wrong and you don't need, we know, you know, like it's, it's right there. We, we actually, you know, to drive change, it's, it's part, it's very easy to buy new systems and to buy new tools and, and everything, but really comes together with the culture. You really need to have the right people, you know, that will actually use those tools and actually will will look for other solutions as well. So I think it has more to do with, with culture, hiring the right people, really the right mindset, like a really hands-on mentality, much more than just looking for new tools and solutions because they, they're out there. They're very easy to connect to. It's very easy to, to connect a new tool within the app or, or backend. I think it's really the people that, that drive the change. So one of the things that we did on a, on a more global level was instead of being this HQ consultant and enforcing the countries to do uh, what we tell them and, and we never help them or never follow up, we said we really dived into the country. We flew there. We were very hands-on. We were actually also just being part of the business as usual and also educating the people about the digitalization and really to, yeah. to create this kind of engagement locally. And one of the feedback that we got is that, uh, yeah, you, it really changed. Normally HQ just came in, just said, tell us what else to do and then leaves. So you were very engaging, very hands-on. We created like a community with the other countries so they could share ideas. Wow, and that's then people cool. started to get enthusiastic. So that, that for me was, was really the key to success uh, rather than just being headquarters, telling them what to do and leave. I think that's very bad and it's typically what happens in larger organizations. I love that. I think that's that's really cool. The idea of building a community with the countries and yeah. getting them to connect. I think that's really, really interesting. So looking forward, you know, we've talked about how things have evolved. What do you think are some of the 
the trends in mobile banking, especially, first of all, you know, we've had a really weird year and <laughs> yeah. this year is like people are going to, hopefully vaccines are going to get wider spread. So this, you know, people stayed at home for a while and now everyone's going to maybe in a few months go back to work and be out and about. How do you think that would influence mobile banking? And what do you think are some of the trends coming the next few years? Well, in all fairness, if COVID gave me anything, it worked definitely in my favor in my job, right? In, in the beginning when we struggled to accelerate sometimes the, the digital onboarding process or the mobile journeys, now everything had to be accelerated. So what I've seen as a trend is this was this massive run into digitalization of onboarding the customer. So what typically was that our onboarding solutions were not fully digital or sometimes they had to be called, they had to go to the branch. We had to rapidly change that and, and our competitors as well to become fully remote. So without any human interaction to open up a new account, or to take a new loan. That post at the same time, which is now a massive trend with what I see in the industry, is that, okay, now we have everything digital, but how do we actually maintain the customer relationship, which I talked about earlier, is like, how do we maintain this relationship digitally? So we have to look for new ways of engaging the customer and, and being there for him or her uh, in, in these difficult times. That's one of the trends I'm seeing to create this digital customer uh, relationship. And of course, the run for the for the digitalization of, of the onboarding channels. That was ma the massive trend I see during COVID. Why do you think, do you think any of them are going to stay as, you know, people go back to work and go back to life as COVID, as we're starting to beat COVID? Or do you think there's anything is going to change? It's going to change massively. I, I When in Santander, we did work on, on getting a better work from home policy and it was implemented. But now due to COVID, it had to be really enforced. It really had to be enforced. And people, first of all, they liked it. They loved working from home. But now that we're seeing is that people actually want to go back to the office. I, me personally, I was a big, big supporter of working from home. And now I just really want to go back to the office to get this human interaction yeah. with the team, with the countries, flying there and meeting them in person. So yeah, I, I think... It will change some bit that companies will enforce two days working from home and three days in the office. But I don't think remote working altogether is here to stay, at least for bigger organizations. I don't, that's my personal opinion. Yeah. How do you think the mobile banking will evolve over the next few years uh, with, you know, the world that will ch keep changing again? It's, I think we've seen some big shifts. What do you think the future of banking is and how are you preparing for that? I think one of the biggest things that will, what is happening right now is, is this new PFM solutions, especially in Europe, where the new PSD2 legislation is in effect, where there will be apps in the market that will allow you to connect all your bank accounts into one app. Mm. And then this app is just managing all of your accounts at once, but has this algorithm that, that really identifies your spending habits over all your four bank accounts from different banks, just oh, to create savings accounts with specific goals. I think there will be a lot of those PFM personal finance management apps within the market. And I think there will be one or two winners that everybody will connect to, which is a big threat to the bank as well, is that those apps will have a massive amount of information, not only from the data that the customer has in our bank, but also from the other banks. So what these apps yeah. can do then is then can sell this information saying, look, I see that you have a savings account in Santander, but if you go there, maybe it's cheaper. We are heavily also looking into the PFM solution to 
uh, to, to create a platform for customers in our environment where they can connect their other bank accounts as well. So we keep the contact with the customer because if you lose the customer to this, let's say, the other PFM app, you'll lose the contact because the customer will no longer log into your app, but will only log into the aggregated app from your competitor or from a fintech. So I really think that the PFM together with PC2 is, will be a massive business in the future, especially in Europe. And then from a digital, you know, from a, when you think about like building and continuing to build digital solutions, how do you make sure, you know, your teams keep up to par with the latest technologies, latest marketing solutions, yeah. uh, latest technology that you can implement in your solutions? How do you think about that? For me, it's one word, it's pilots. I mean, I'm always a big supporter of running pilots with, with new solutions. I think we need to keep trying solution to pilots to see if it makes sense for us. And in order, and then yeah, to investigate new ways of, of operating in online marketing. So we, we, we actually keep doing pilots, either being it in tools, but also being a new bidding operator in new ways of reducing our CPA. So I always encourage the teams locally to really keep running pilots and tests uh, in order to to see if, it, if something works better than what you currently have. That's, I think, that's a major part that we, we are encouraging the country to do. That's awesome. How do you think about, how do you find out about new solutions in the market? How do you hear, like, you know, how do you know that there's like something new, a new type of yeah. company that can help and stuff like that? How do you keep up to speed with all that? I'm sure others are wondering, and this is, you know, a challenge. Well, I'm a bit of in a luxury position because I work on, on a headquarter level. And then because I always speak to all 12 markets in Europe, yeah. I also speak to all 12 digital marketing agencies of the countries. So by, by having so much interaction with all of these different digital marketing agencies, you're, oh, but in, Nor in Norway, they're doing this. Why are we not doing that in Spain? And you hear of all these solutions. So my knowledge when I moved to, to the headquarters increased massively in terms of online marketing, which I never expected because I expected to be more as an executive and, and more talking about yeah. PPTs, whereas actually my knowledge grew massively by speaking to all of these digital marketing agencies. So what I would suggest is to, is to really have an engagement chat with your digital marketing agency, but also try to find industry experts that you have like monthly I don't know, sessions with just to talk. I mean, I have yeah. several agencies that I just talk with and there's nothing behind it. We're not trying to sell anything. We're, we're to buy anything. We're just talking about the industry and to see what's going on. So we have some, some of these panels going and that's for me, that's how I learn about what is in the market and what works and what we should try and, and whatnot. I love that. So, you know, you've talked a lot about how you've grown and I'm just kind of curious, tell me also how you've grown personally, right? Like you've talked about in your job, you're learning a lot. And I think we've, it's been really cool to hear about all the different experiences. But what are some maybe experiences outside of your professional life that you think translated into your success and helped you grow into uh, the leader you are today? Yeah, it's, it's a very funny story. And I have to go way back in time It that uh, what really shaped me as a person that I am today. Back when I was 15 years old, I started working in an Italian restaurant. Wow. The owner was called Enzo Scamacca. And working there was hard. He was pushing, he was shouting, he was really making <laughs> you work. And whenever there was no customers or like when you stood still, 
He said, like, why are you standing still? I said, yeah, but there's no work. I did everything and I'm waiting. I'm not paying you to do nothing. So go go make, go peel onions or go chop the garlic or you have to do something, clean the cutting machine. And by having that kind of, by growing up with that kind of mentality that you always have to look for new opportunities, always have to work, always have to, and learn how to work in a high pressure environment really thought prepared me for the jobs that I'm doing currently. I mean, I, I first saw it when I did my first internship at the media agency where I came in and I was like, okay, I have to do this, I have to do that. And then when I was done, I was like, okay, what can I do more? What is there out there? And then I saw my other fellow interns that, yeah, okay, it's five o'clock, I'm going to leave. And what I've seen that I grow much faster than they did in terms of responsibility, yeah. in terms of being a manager at a very young age. And the same happened in the Italian restaurant where I started as a dishwasher and I'm working my way up to become a chef when I was like 19 years old, cooking on Friday and Sundays. And, it, and that really allowed me to see that if you work hard, you can really grow at a massive, uh, massive pace in terms of your responsibilities, but you have to grab it with your own hands. It's like nobody's going to give it to you. And that, yeah. has, that is what I've been doing. But it's And then I talk about my friends that I worked with in the same restaurant. They're now very successful investment banking traders or M&A. Wow. We all talk about our time back then. We all agree, like Enzo really prepared us. <laughs> okay, so advice for others, find an Enzo. <laughs> you're find your an career. Enzo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Find an Enzo, start working in a restaurant when you're very young. Uh, yeah, no, for me, that really shaped me as a person I am, I am today. It's been a long time ago. For parents who are looking to like get your kids, you know, if they're in middle school or high school, find an Italian restaurant. <laughs> exactly. You, 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 they, will, they will come home crying like I did. They will become... But it's if I have kids, yes, definitely they're going to work in the Italian restaurant. That's for sure. Yeah. Any other advice you have for a younger self? Of, you know, now looking back, I think you've, you've talked about the things you've done well. Any advice or anything you wish you did differently? Any advice yeah. for others? Well, for myself, oof, I should, you know, patience is also a thing, right? I always wanted to grow very fast and I didn't want to wait. I was like, well, it's been a year. Why am I not being promoted or why am I not having this, this project? I, you need to have patience as well. You need to really absorb what you're learning uh, before you can move on and really put the learning into practice and then move on. For instance, I think looking back, my transition from the media agency to leading the digital transformation in Benelux. In the end, it was successful, but I wasn't ready for it, to be very honest. Like I, I oversold myself in, in some ways. Like, like I said, I never did a home banking app. I never thought about onboarding banking customer journeys. It was a lot of stress I had to deal with because I wasn't ready uh, maybe to, to do that. In the end, it worked out, but it was a lot of stress. I could have done it. I could have waited a little bit before making that step. Love it. I think both of those are, you know, work hard, take every opportunity, but also be patient. I think if you had, if you have both of those, mm -hmm. I think both of them are really, really great advice. It's very difficult though. I mean, you're yeah. working hard and you, so you're like, I, I want to go there now and you want everything to happen now, but that's not how it works sometimes. For me, that's a, still, it's difficult to have this patience. Uh, I know. For, I identify so. with some of those in, in my career. I think I like to cover you know, I think starting a company and like, I didn't have any experience in marketing. So 
doing marketing in the early days. I learned a lot, obviously, it's been eight years now, but uh, man, I struggled at the beginning. I never managed people, never done marketing. It was, I understand. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It's very stressful, but it's for me, I like it. I like to work on this kind of stress. Right. If you're, yeah. yeah. If it works out. (laughs) If it works out. So, you know, thank you. It's been really awesome. I think we usually end with like three questions that are a little bit less serious than what we've asked. Mm -hmm. So I am going to ask you those three questions. So what's your COVID survival app? It's not an it's not an app, but I have something when I wasn't much of a gamer, but I bought a PlayStation before the lockdown and it really helped me. So that really helped me survive. I am not uh, much on the different kind of app. So yeah, I would say PlayStation. I'm also I play a lot of games on my phone, so I totally get it. I'm obsessed with this one in Apple Arcades now called Oceanhorn. Oh, really? oh my god, it's so good. It. It's like Zelda, but it's Oceanhorn. Two. There was like an earlier one I played a long time ago, but man, it's so good. The puzzles are incredible. Okay, I will definitely try that one. I hope I don't get hooked because COVID is almost ending. I, and I need hooked. to go back I, to all I did back all weekend. <laughs> I know. Seriously, Sunday I like didn't do anything else except that. <laughs> all right. Okay, so if you had to delete all the apps on your phone and you could only keep one, what would that be? It's definitely that would be Instagram. I just I just love it. I'm just on there uh, most of the time. Too, you know, see everybody's updates, see the pictures. Nowadays you have this this real element, and I'm hooked. I don't know why. It's like it's real. It's like TikTok. I'm, I keep looking at it. Uh, maybe it's very bad, but definitely it's for me. It would be Instagram. No TikTok, man. It's also like. It catches you, but people learn, you know, I was talking to my friends and they're like, I learned how to make steak from TikTok. I learned <laughs> people seem to, like, you can also learn little things. It's, it's funny. Yeah. And they have this, this life, this life hacks. They tell them, they, there's this element. Yeah. They, they show you something that you should have known. And then you're like, oh, damn, I never knew this was the purpose of this kind of product. Oh, yeah. So definitely Instagram and, and, and the reels. How about the most unlikely app on your phone? Something that maybe people would be surprised. People who know you would be surprised to know you have it. I don't have a lot of weird apps on my phone, actually. No, it would would be a fitness app because people, I'm not like much of a fitness guy. So I have this fitness app that tells me what to do in the gym. Uh, if, if I tell my friends, it would be... Do you do it? Yeah, I do it. But if I tell my friends, it would be very surprised. <laughs> but no, I don't have any strange or in the apps no that's i mean that's that's a cool one i think that counts yeah cool well this was awesome i feel like i learned a lot i might pick your brain again i'm i'm doing a paper on like you know finance and and how to adapt and how to like you know do growth or mobile in finance and i, I don't know that much about the finance space so i feel you've educated okay. me today some of the stuff you guys did is really awesome and really grateful to have you on the show with us today yeah, I'm very happy I was invited and really happy to at least give a little bit of insights about the finance industry in terms of mobile banking at the moment. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to this and share with someone trying to grow their career. Until next time, keep growing.